Hey, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a surprisingly low-tech fix to the problem of sleep-deprived teens, how you can use the Pareto Principle to help you achieve your goals, and three tips for thinking more creatively. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily. If you're like me, you did not get enough sleep when you were a teenager. And hey, we're not alone. Recent estimates suggest that roughly half of adolescents in the United States are sleep-deprived. Well, here's some good news. Neuroscientists have found a surprisingly low-tech way to help teens get more sleep. Ready for a quick and easy life hack? Ashley, would this have helped you in high school, or have you always been super responsible and healthy? Oh, no. I used to go to sleep super late, and actually... The worst time for me was like early college. College. Yeah, like right after leaving the nest, you know, 18, 19, just like, oh, I could stay up all night. 4 a.m., cool. I have an 8 a.m. class, but no big deal. Was a music major. You also had to practice all the time. Yeah, for sure. Did you know people that snuck into the music building after hours to practice? There are... There's some really intense examples of people not wanting to leave the practice rooms and going to great lengths not to. Look, grades are important. Yep. Well, if you're a teenager and you're not sneaking into school late at night to practice more, this is the story for you. As reported by The Conversation, sleep is really important when you're growing up. That's because adolescence is a time for significant brain changes that affect learning, self-control, and emotional systems. Fortunately, the Galvan Laboratory for Developmental Neuroscience at UCLA has found a simple solution to the sleep deprivation problem. Provide teens with a good pillow. Seriously. The researchers had figured that the most important thing for healthy brain development over time would be how many hours of sleep you got. But when they tested that with a study, they found they were wrong. The problem was inconsistent sleep across the school week. In adolescents whose sleep patterns varied by as much as two and a half hours from one night to the next, the researchers saw less development of white matter connections in their brains a year later when compared to adolescents who slept a more consistent number of hours per night. White matter connections help you process information efficiently and quickly by connecting different regions of your brain, kind of like the way a highway connects two cities. Like I've mentioned, adolescence is an important time for paving all the brain's highways, and this research suggests sleep may be vital for this construction. So what are the primary sleep ingredients that contribute to healthy brain development? The lab designed a study to investigate. They used wristwatch-like monitors called actigraphs to track the sleep quality of high schoolers across Los Angeles aged 14 to 18. Higher sleep quality, by the way, is defined by fewer awakenings per night. After two weeks, the researchers scanned the participants' brains to measure the connections in the brain involved in self-control, emotion, and reward processing. Better sleep quality meant better brain connectivity, sure, but why did they get better sleep? Adolescents who reported greater satisfaction with their bedding and pillows were the ones who had greater sleep quality. And the researchers found there's no perfect pillow. One size does not fit all. But if you haven't been able to get a better night's sleep by using a sleep app or by making your room darker or by cutting down on noise levels, then find yourself a comfy pillow. You can rest easy knowing it can really make a difference. If you want to stop wasting time, then you need to know about the Pareto Principle. Are you having a hard time getting something done, but you don't know where and when you're spinning your wheels? Whether you're at work or at home, the Pareto Principle can help you get and keep the ball rolling. And I promise, it's really easy to remember. You've probably heard of the 80-20 rule, right? This concept says that in general, 80% of the results come from 20% of the actions. 
Well, this idea came from a philosopher and economist who was born in Italy in 1848, and his name was Vilfredo Federico Damaso Pareto. Legend has it, Pareto peeked at his pea plants one day and noticed that only 20% of the plants in the garden generated 80% of the healthy pea pods. Then he looked at all of Italy, and what do you know? 20% of the population owned 80% of the country's land. This magic little ratio kept popping up, and boom! Pareto's namesake principle was born. It's also known as law of the vital few. And here's the underlying lesson. Input does not always equal output. And the total won't always add up to 100, so don't get hung up on the exact numbers. Maybe 20% of your employees do 100% of the work, for instance. But here are some everyday examples of the Pareto principle in action. 20% of your home is where you spend 80% of your time. 20% of your apps account for 80% of your smartphone use. And you wear 20% of your wardrobe 80% of the time. I can definitely relate to that one. Same. Now, here's how you can actually use this principle. If you're a small business owner and see that only 20% of your customers contribute 80% of revenue, focus on satisfying those customers. If you're working on a project, then maybe instead of spending an hour drafting a paper you're not sure about, then instead spend 10 minutes thinking of ideas, then spend 50 minutes writing about the best one. Do what you've got to do, and you can make the Pareto Principle work for you. You're also free to spend 98% of your time listening to this podcast and 2% of your time writing a review for Curiosity Daily. Yeah, I'd say that's smart time management. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts, your Amazon Alexa flash briefing, or your favorite podcast app. If a work problem has you stumped or you're struggling with writer's block, you might need to rethink how you're thinking. There are two main modes of thinking, and one is better for creative work. So today... I'm going to help you figure out how to get into that mode in what's called diffuse thinking. We'll make sure you walk away with three simple tips for getting past your next challenge. Right. So let's back up and talk about your brain first. If the human brain were a car, it would have two basic gears, focused and diffuse. Focused thinking is pretty self-explanatory. It's sort of like thinking in close-up. You're zoomed in on a specific problem, blocking out the rest of the world. This mode is extremely useful for mastering technical skills like shooting free throws or reducing fractions or practicing a musical instrument, right? Yeah. You also switch over to focused thought when you're under a lot of stress or pressure. So if your house is burning down, you're going to focus on the immediate tasks like escaping or calling 911. You're not thinking about how the fire relates to public policy issues or disco music. Anyway, that's focused thinking. Then there's diffuse thinking. That works in the opposite way. Diffuse thinking zooms out instead of focusing on a specific issue. That lets you see the big picture and make loose general connections. Diffuse thought is key to innovating, reframing intractable problems, and collaborating across departments or disciplines. But you're dealing with a bit of a catch-22 when you're up against certain creative problems. If you're in school or you're at work, for example, you usually have to solve a creative problem on a deadline. That deadline puts you under stress and triggers focused thought. But there are a few ways you can shift gears. Here's three tips for diffuse thinking. The first one, make failure impossible. You think more diffusely when you're calm, so it can help to tweak the way you think about your project. Instead of thinking, I have to figure this out or I've got to get this done, think in exploratory terms. Try, I'm going to see if this works, or I'm throwing ideas at the wall to see what sticks. And after that, you can't fail. Or in more technical terms, you've established psychological safety. Tip number two, take a break. You can also think of diffuse thinking as letting your mind wander. 
That's the opposite of ceaseless work and hyper-efficiency, and yet it is essential to critical problem-solving. Naps are pretty great breaks, and so are walks. We've talked on this podcast before about how both can really open up your creativity. And the third and final tip, change locations. If you're stuck in a mental rut and you can, walk somewhere that makes you happy, whether that's a wild nature preserve or an ultra-clean coffee shop. Some spaces are just more conducive to diffuse thought than others. I am a coffee shop worker. That's my thing. I worked at a startup several years ago, and whenever we were able to work remotely, I would go to a coffee shop. I got so much done. Coffee shops are okay for certain things. Home where it's silent is great for certain things. And just the regular office is great for certain things. Yeah. Read about today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.